Grab your Bible, if you would, and let's open the Word of God together to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. And uh, the book of Exodus is, is really kind of a wonderful book. And if you love the stories of the Bible, then, then there's some powerful ones here in the book of Exodus. As God develops a people and brings them to himself, uh, the stories that, that take place in Exodus under the leadership of Moses, Moses is leading God's people out of Egypt, and these are exciting times for the people of God. You know, I found that just looking at the scripture, we can compare that to our life. And you know, there should be exciting times in our life too when God is drawing us close to himself. We should be experiencing some of these very same things. And so what we want to do is take this, this challenge and apply it to our lives today and, um, and see what we can learn from the word of God, from the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 14. If you found your place, let's stand for the reading of God's word. Now, this morning, I have to confess, if we're going to get the context, I have kind of a lot of reading. But I'm not going to make you stand for all that, right? I want, to, I want to show you one verse here where we're going to get the thought for our message. And then we'll be seated and we'll back up and get the context of this, of this thought and, and what's happening around this and how it applies to our life. Exodus 14. And in just a moment, we're going to read verse 15. First, I'd like to pray together. We'll read the verse and then you may be seated. Let's pray. Father, how we love you today, how we thank you for your word. And Lord, we know the word of God is of ultimate importance in our Christian life. Because from it, we get our directions. We get our encouragement, our strength. And Lord, we know that this is our compass, our map. It's our guide. The Bible and the Holy Spirit. And so we look to both in this hour. Looking to the Word of God, we ask you, dear Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts, to apply this message to us personally, show us how, it, uh, how we can live this out and how it applies to us, and what you'd have us do as a result of what we learn today. And we'll thank you, Lord, for all that you do in this time. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Exodus 14, and let's look at verse 15. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Let's look at that one more time. I want you to pay attention to that last word. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go where? Forward. I want to preach on that verse this morning. This thought, are you ready to go forward? Are you ready to go? Thank you so much. You may be seated. Now, as I said a moment ago, this, is, this thought is found in the context of a story. And so I want to back up and, and get the context there, bring you kind of up to date to the situation that God is speaking to when he tells Moses, speak to the children of Israel and let's go forward, right? What, what's happening? Why does he say this to them? And, and, and why aren't they doing it already? Well, that's a good question. If we back up to verse 1, we can catch the story and see what, is what the children of Israel are faced with as we read this. The Bible says in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pihahiroth, between Migdol and the sea, over against Baal-Zephon. Before it shall ye encamp by the sea." 
for Pharaoh shall say to the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Isn't that interesting? Let me just stop right here for a moment and chase a little rabbit. This entire story is built around the fact that God knows all of us. Now, we say God knows us as his children, but the truth is God knows us as mankind. The Bible says in Genesis chapter uh, 1 through 3 that God created us. God made us in his image. And, And the Bible says in Psalm 139 that God is acquainted with all our ways. If you look up the word ways there and do a little word study on that, the idea is that God is acquainted with all of our tendencies. That is why in this text, God is able to predict what Pharaoh is about to do. If you notice here, God just kind of spells out the whole thing. He's telling Moses, I want you to do this, and this is what's going to happen, and Pharaoh's going to do that. And how can that be? Because God knows the way we're wired individually and personally. And because of that, God knows us better than anyone else or even that we know ourselves. In light of that knowledge... God then is able to predict what we would do in any given situation. So God is never taken by surprise when we act or don't act here below in this world. I I take comfort in that because there are times in in my life I know that I have wondered, why did this happen? Lord, why'd you let that happen? Why'd you put me in this situation? Listen, God knew how you were going to react, what decision you were going to make, and what you were going to do in that situation and put you there for a reason of his own. God is explaining this to Moses right here. He said, look, I want you guys to do this, and when you do, Pharaoh is going to do that. And he's predicting what Pharaoh is going to do. Hey, aren't you glad that we serve a God who's all-knowing? He is omniscient, omnipotent. God is all-powerful. Listen, the will of God is happening today no matter what men do or say. God is still on the throne. He's still in charge. When it looks like the days are the darkest they could be, when it looks like there's no hope at all, listen, there is hope in God. He's got it all figured out. His plan is coming to pass regardless of what goes on in Washington or or any other man-made headquarters in this world. God is, is uh, on his throne this morning as, as ruling the world as he normally does. In this text, we find God enlightening Moses. He's sharing a little bit with Moses about what is about to happen. And he tells him before it ever does. And the Bible says in verse 4, and they did so. So Moses and the children of Israel followed God's instructions. But I want you to see where the, those instructions led them. God leads the children of Israel on purpose into this situation that we're going to find them in in just a moment. Look at verse 5. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots of all the chariots of Egypt, And captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. 
and the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside Pihahiroth and before Baal-Zephon, exactly where God told them to go. So Pharaoh comes upon them, verse 10, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Hey, what do you do when you're afraid? They did the right thing, didn't they? When they hit a problem, they turned to God. You know what? That's what all of us should do. That's the right response. We need to take our burdens to the Lord. Take our problems to the Lord. We need to go to God and get instruction, get comfort, get direction, get guidance from Him. When we respond any other way, we're really missing out on what God has for us. In verse 11, they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt... Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us, thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Now, Moses did have a little secret. He had already been given a preview of what was about to happen. God told him in advance what was going to take place, and he knew it was all going to be okay. Now, we may not have a preview like that, and we may not have, uh, you know, advanced knowledge of the details, but if we trust in God, then we can be in the same position Moses was in to say, fear not, right? All will be well. God's got this. And that's what he does to comfort the children of Israel. Verse 14, he says, the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Hey, you know, there's a time for that. Just to be quiet and let God defend you. You can't fight against the truth. You know, and, and when, you're, when you've done right and you've done the truth and people slander you and words are flying, sometimes the best thing to do is nothing. Just be quiet and let God defend you and let the truth speak. Verse 15, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, speaking to the children of Israel, that they go forward? The problem is the children of Israel were in a box. They were between the mountains and they were facing the sea and Pharaoh was coming up behind. And that is why they hadn't already gone forward. They had stopped because they were by the sea. What sea was it? It was the Red Sea. In verse 16, But lift up thy rod and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. 
And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. Moses knew that God was going to win the battle, but he didn't know how until this moment. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh and upon his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it, and it uh, came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud of darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. Can you imagine Moses holding up his rod all night long? Boy, I bet he got tired. And as he did that, God parts the waters with the wind. And the Bible says, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked on the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from before the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians and upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw upon the Egyptians, saw the, uh, the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. What a powerful story. And to all the scoffers out there who deny the miracle of the word of God and say, well, this sea really didn't part. It wasn't the Red Sea. It was really the Reed Sea. You know, it was only ankle deep water. And they do this, by the way, because they want to explain away the miracle of God parting the sea. And I say to them, you still have the miracle of explaining God drowning Pharaoh and all his army in ankle-deep water. How did that happen? <laughs> hey, listen, let's just believe what God said. He said it right the first time. How could a, wall, a water be a wall unto them if it was ankle-deep? And how could, the, how could the armies of Pharaoh be drowned in ankle-deep water? It's ridiculous. That's just extreme effort on the part of unbelievers who choose not to believe what the Bible says uh, before they ever have a chance to know who God is. 
And, you know, that's really the choice we all have when we come to the very first chapter, the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created. And every human being that reads those words has the same choice to make right then and there. We either believe the word of God or we don't. God doesn't try to justify his existence or explain it. He just states that he is. And we have to choose to believe. Well, I'd rather believe the word of God and the creation story than any other theory of origin in existence today. I think it takes more faith actually to believe those than it does just to believe the Bible. It makes more sense. Well, so here's the story. God leads the children of Israel. He tells Moses to take them to this certain spot, which is right on the seashore between the mountains. Pharaoh comes in behind and God says, go forward. You know, I've noticed God's direction is always forward. God always wants us moving on, moving forward, growing. That's why I like that hymn that says, uh, it talks about higher ground. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Right? Still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Every Christian ought to desire that in their heart and life. We should want to do more and grow and be better than we were before because we've met Jesus. To Hudson Taylor said, God is always advancing. You know, it seems sometimes that you have to take a couple of steps back to eventually take a step forward. But no, God is always advancing. Even when it seems like we're standing still, even when it seems like nothing significant is going on, the truth is God's direction is forward. I want to ask you today, we're in a we're on the threshold of the new year, 2023. I trust you've had time for reflection and contemplation. I, I trust you've had time uh, for, for preparation, for planning. But you know, there's a time then for action. Action. How about it? Is there going to be action to take you forward this year? Forward into the will of God. Forward into the future that God has for you. I'm glad Jeremiah 29, 11 is in the Bible. It tells us that God knows his thoughts toward us and that they are to bring us to an expected end. God has a place that he wants us to arrive to. And the only way we can get there is by moving forward as he leads. Well, we read this story and we find that God led the children of Israel to camp by the sea. He did that on purpose. God had a plan. God, it was God, wasn't it, that hardened Pharaoh's heart to pursue after them. And he did. He said, why did we let our servants go? Man, we need to get them back. So they pursued after the children of Israel. The children of Israel were caught in the middle between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. They didn't know what to do. And, and in helplessness, they cried out. But thankfully, before they started complaining to Moses, they cried out to the one that matters. They cried to the Lord. What a difference it makes. Hey, you know what? God doesn't always immediately answer our prayers. But he does answer. Sometimes we forget that things just take a little time. God is not bound by time, but everything in our realm is. And so it takes a little time. Give God some time to answer your prayers. The children of Israel were caught in the middle. Pharaoh's coming behind. God had a purpose in all of this. And God had a purpose in putting them in that situation. You know, they were about to learn a great principle. That God is in control and that God can win that battle for you. Some battles are meant for us. 
to let God fight. God had a purpose for this situation, and I want to just submit three of them. How about this? To teach the Israelites to trust God. You know, in the Christian life, we talk about having faith in God. We talk about trusting God. But life puts us in positions many times. Or should I say, God puts us in positions in life where we have to actually trust God. Where it's no longer a theory, now it needs to become practice. Where we need to do what we've been talking about. How about this? God had a purpose. It was to gain honor and praise from his people for the outcome that they were about to see. God was going to give them victory over something that they thought impossible in their life. The greatest enemy they ever had up to this point, God was about to conquer for them. Do you see things in life that are against you? Do you have obstacles? Are you bound in ways that just seems impossible? Listen, God can overcome all of that. You and God make a majority. God is all-powerful, and the Bible says nothing is impossible with God. How about this purpose? To build a testimony of God's power among the heathen. You know, God desires that all of the world would know Him, that all of the world would know that He is God. And God sometimes wants to work in our lives to shine a little light in their direction. Just like the story of the three Hebrew children that were cast into the fiery furnace. When the king looked in, he saw them, but he also saw that fourth figure whom he said was like the Son of God. You know, they didn't see that figure walking around in the fire, but looking on, he saw it. It reminds me that God wants the lost, I believe, at times in our lives to look on and see God in our lives. See Christ in us in who we are, maybe in the way we respond to situations, maybe in the fact that we go to God in prayer and that we're committed to him and we trust him and we follow him. God wants to build a testimony of his power among the heathen. God gave them a direction that seemed impossible. God said, go forward. Well, they're facing the Red Sea and don't have a boat or a paddle. That sure seemed impossible. At this time, there had been, been no one walking on water. And they just said, what do we do? God said, speaking to the children, that they go forward. And even in this situation, with instructions, with a vision, with direction that seemed impossible, they decided to trust God. Luke 1.37 says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Genesis 18.14 Is anything too hard for the Lord? I ask you this morning, how do you answer that question? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Look at your life, your situation. Can God bring you through? Absolutely. God can. And that's what we need to remember. Remember, God was leading his people to the promised land. We learn later that he was actually taking the scenic route to get there not the most direct route. He did that because he was mindful of the conditions and the the apprehensions of his people, and God was leading them gently at a pace they could endure. Our God knows us. He loves us. He wants to help us, but he wants us to go forward. Hey, are you willing to go forward today? 
Are you ready to go forward? Because the instruction has already been given. God's desire, God's leaning, God's direction is forward. Now, this command to go forward is an actually a, it's a warning against us being too set in our own ways. Being creatures of habit, you know, we, we kind of get comfortable with the way things are. And sometimes God has to disrupt the way things are to get us to move forward into what the way he wants things to be. And because God knows the future, he knows what's best, he knows what he wants for us, he will often disrupt our present, right, to get us to move toward our future. Jeremiah 4, 3 says this, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground. This was actually a farming principle. You that are involved in that know best, better than me even, how how this process works, that when you're going to have a crop first, you have to go through with the plow and you have to break up the soil. You have to break up that ground that has settled in its place, that fallow ground. You know, we're kind of like that. We're kind of like that soil that just gets settled. We get settled in our routines. We get comfortable in our positions. We just like it, doing it the way things are. Sometimes God comes along and says, it's time for something a little different. It's time to move forward. Put the plow down and let's go. In order to have that harvest, in order to have that crop, we got to break up the comfort zone. We have to break up uh, you know, the rut that we're in. We have to break up the way things are so, it can, so we can get to the way things are going to be, right? The, the crop, the harvest that God wants us to have. How about Hosea? In chapter 10, verse 12, Hosea said, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Hosea even, just like Jeremiah, was applying this principle of breaking up the soil. He's talking about the ground, the fallow ground of our heart. And he's talking about how that we often have to break that up in order to seek God like we should. We have to become uncomfortable with our comfort zone and our routine and all of the things that are the way they are. We have to get unsettled and unsatisfied to seek the Lord. We cannot approach the Lord as set in our ways. We have to be teachable. We have to be flexible. We have to be available to do what God wants us to do. Would you say that's you this morning? You know, the children of Israel were in a bad way. They were slaves to another nation. But they had become very accustomed to that position. They had become very comfortable. You know, they got got their two, three meals a day, whatever it was, it was all handed to them. They had their little work routines. And they just had life flowing in a little, what we would call a rut. And they had become content with life in that way. And God looked onto their situation and said, this is not at all what I want for my people. I want them to be free. I want them to be their own nation. I want so much more for them than this. But in order to get there, they had to plow up what was. Does it make sense? 
God looks at our lives individually. I believe God looks at our, our church as a, as, as a group, church family. God, God says, hey, I want more for you. I've got some more things I want to give you. I've got another place I want to take you. But in order to get there, you have to be willing to go forward. You have to be willing to drop the plow and break up the present. Hmm. That requires a little more thought. Now you know why God doesn't give us all the details in advance. You know, we really couldn't handle all that. We're such creatures of comfort that we, we, we might not give up our, our, our slavery for the freedom that he has for us if we knew what kind of effort we might have to put out to get there. If we knew the price we might have to pay, in our comfort we might decide, we might shortchange ourselves and decide, I don't know, I don't know if the promised land is really worth the price I'm going to have to pay to get there. How many of you ever been on a trip that didn't go quite as planned, right? Toward maybe your vacation or your family reunion or whatever. Matter of fact, the trip was so bad, maybe you had a blowout or, or, or maybe it was car trouble, you had to stay the night somewhere unexpected, you know, things like that happen. And sometimes it makes you even scratch your head and wonder, you know, I wonder if it was worth it coming. You know, if you had known all that was going to happen, you might have stayed home. <laughs> you know, it's sad to say that we're such creatures of comfort. We might forfeit the blessings of God in our future because we're too comfortable to break up the present. I don't know about you, but when I consider that, that concept, it's a little scary to me because I realize it's true. And I want to say this morning, God help me as your pastor. I don't ever want to get so comfortable where I'm at that I forfeit the blessings of God because I'm too comfortable to make the trip. Wow, God help us. You know, that really is our challenge today. That's, that's what God did to the children of Israel. He, he had to put them in that position to break up the present. In order to be prepared to move ahead, we must understand what it means to move forward. And I want you to think about the process with me for a few moments. Number one, I believe to move forward means that we have to be willing to look ahead. And that does take effort because sometimes we're so focused on, on where we're at that we really don't want to look ahead because that would require change, right? Change isn't bad. It might not always be comfortable. Did you know the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. God wants us to be willing to look, to see what he has for us. We need to see the opportunities, but we also need to see the obstacles. I put the opportunities first because if we don't see the opportunities, then we will, we will not see the obstacles correctly. 
You know, we'll see the obstacles as an, a reason why we can't. Oh, you know, like the spies that later would go when they got closer to the promised land, they would send spies in to check it out. And 10 of them would come back out of the 12. 10 would say, oh, no, we can't do it because the people in the promised land are too big. They're too many. Oh, we could never defeat them and we could never take this land that God said he gave to us. It can't be done. Well, that's a good human perspective to divine opportunity. You know, when the human looks at the divine, we're always going to think it's impossible. But not with God. We have to see the opportunities or we will be stopped by the obstacles. All Israel could see were the obstacles. They, they saw the Red Sea. They saw Pharaoh. They said, we're trapped. But the opportunities were on the other side. Thank God they were willing to follow the man of God, when he said, we're going to go forward. We're going to go forward. God parted the seas. They began to walk over. Do you know how scary that must have been? You know, we just kind of read it casually thinking, oh, yeah, okay, they walked on dry land. Can you imagine walking through the Red Sea and seeing those walls of water on both sides, they'd, they'd never seen an aquarium before. They, they, didn't, they, they had no idea what they were even looking at. Or what's holding those walls up? Right? That's right, God was. But they had to trust God in order to walk between them. That was some pretty scary stuff. At any moment, those walls could come crashing down, and they did behind them on Pharaoh and his army. And yet they had to be willing to walk through that. You know, it reminds us that you and I, if we follow God, we're going to have those moments too where we're going to have to be willing to trust God and walk through some things that look really scary to us. They're going to look difficult. They're going to, matter of fact, they're going to look downright impossible. But the real challenge is, are you willing to walk with God? Are you willing to go forward? Or are you going to stay back here and just cling to your comfort? And look at the obstacle as an excuse and say, God, it can't be done. There are too many Christians, negative Nellies, I call them, who aren't willing to get past the obstacle. I'm glad Jesus wasn't that way. The Bible says when Jesus saw the cross, he looked beyond to the joy that was going to be set before him. And then he endured the cross because he knew what it was going to bring, the salvation of all of us and, and the pleasure of being together in heaven. And Jesus said, okay, for that I will go through this. And you know what? You and I have to be willing to do the same. For the blessing that God has on the other side, I'm willing to walk through this difficulty. I'm willing to walk through this obstacle. I'm willing to trust God through the impossible. The unexplainable. To go forward means to look ahead. And we have to see those things as God sees them. Number two, to go forward means to take the necessary steps. Can I tell you, it's easy to sit in church this morning and on a January Sunday in 2023 and say, oh yeah, preach it, you know, yeah, we're going to go forward. That's right, preacher. 
It's one thing to look ahead and say, oh, wonderful opportunities ahead. But you know, it's another thing to start putting one foot in front of the other, to taking the action, the steps that are going to move you in that direction. It's another thing to drop that plow in the dirt and start seeing the clumps come and the ground broken up. It takes effort to let God disrupt your present and move you forward to what he has ahead. We looked at that passage in Philippians chapter 3 where Paul said, reaching forth unto those things which are before. What is that? That's the future. That's what God has. We need to take steps of direction. Seeking the will of God. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We're reading an example of this where God ordered the steps of Israel. He told them where to go, where to turn, where to camp. And this created what they called an impossible situation. But in the will of God, it was the perfect scenario to bring about God's will in the life of this new nation he was forming. We may not understand all the workings of God in our life, but when you find yourself in tough situations, as challenging as it may be, try to remember that God has ordered those steps and put you there for a reason, even if you don't know what it is. Trust God and be willing to follow him into the future to take those difficult steps, actions, and steps of direction. But not only that, there are steps of growth. When I think of growth in the Christian life, I automatically think of working out physically because, you know, you know the saying, where there's no pain, there's no gain. In other words, if you go work out somewhere and you don't get a little stiff later on, you probably didn't do good enough. You're probably not going to get very much gain from that workout because you're, you're not even sore. It didn't even, it didn't even phase you. If you didn't challenge yourself, how are you going to get growth from that? Because if you break it down and get into the biology of it, muscles grow when they go through the process of being stretched and torn, right? And that's where that pain comes from. So if you're not working out enough to get yourself a little pain, then you're probably not accomplishing very much. You have to think about how that works. Now, you can, you can have the wrong kind of pain, too, so... Do a little research before you get into this because you don't want to be, you know, hurting yourself and uh, pulling and straining muscles that were, were in ways that you shouldn't be. There's a, there's a, a way to really hurt yourself, and, and that's an injury. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. The idea is not to create injury, but to create growth. And in order to have growth, you're going to have some discomfort. You're going to have to have a lot of effort. Romans chapter 4 talks about growth. It talks about those who also walk in the steps of, of that faith of Abraham. And you know, I think of Abraham and I think of the effort that he put forth to follow God. How the Bible says in the book of Genesis that he built altars to the Lord like everywhere he went. You just, you just keep reading that expression, he built an altar to the Lord. He built an altar to the Lord. Why was he doing that? Because Abraham walked with God. Abraham uh, had a devotional life that, he, that was consistent. Abraham stayed connected with God. He was always seeking the Lord. And God, what do you want me to do? You know, we should be doing that. If we really love the Lord and we really want to do his will, then we should make God a part of everything we do. Following the Lord when we don't know the outcome. 
The Bible says Abraham was seeking a city whose builder and maker is God. He, he, didn't, he didn't know. Remember when he went to sacrifice Isaac on the mountain? He, he didn't know where he was going. God said, I'll tell you when we get there. <laughs> How would you like to take a trip with somebody and you say, where are we going? And they say, well, I'll tell you when we get there. What? Wait a minute. I don't know if I want to go with you or not. <laughs> right? But knowing God... We know we want to make the trip, even if we don't know the destination yet, because he's that trustworthy. Following him when we can't see where our path leads. And that's really how the Christian life is. We don't know where everywhere God's going to lead us in the Christian life. We don't have a predetermined map to to look at, to, to say, hmm, do I want to make this journey or not? We know the end result one day is heaven. We know the end result is to be present with the Lord. And that's worthy of the journey. That makes it all worth it, no matter what other stops we make along the way. Steps of growth. Not only that, number three, to go forward means to leave some things behind. You know, the children of Israel, they brought some stuff with them, but they couldn't bring everything. They were, going to, they were moving on. They were going to some new things. And, you know, sometimes God wants us to leave some old things behind so that we can get on to some new things that he has for us. So the Bible says in in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, forgetting those things which are behind. There are some things we need to forget. There's some things we need to, to leave back there. We don't need to carry them around forever. There's a time to let it go. For example, we need to leave behind the allurements of the world. When you you come to Christ as your Savior and you accept the Lord, the Bible says you're made a new creature. Behold, all things are become new. And when we start walking with the Lord, we learn that there's a new way of life. And we begin to live differently from the way we used to live. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Verse 3 says, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You know, before we met Jesus, we did what we wanted to do, not what God wanted us to do. We lived our lives for the things that pleased us. We did what felt good in the moment. Most of the time, not even thinking about what the outcome of that might be. That's why later Paul said, We don't have any glory in those things that we once did that we're now ashamed of. You know, because all of us in our time past, before we met the Lord, because we didn't consider where where those choices led, once we came to Christ and we we, we began to learn what's right, we began to look back on some of the life's choices and things we've done, some of our actions. And now that we know what pleases God and now that we know what produces good, we, we look back on our on our unsaved years, and and, and we're ashamed often of some of those things we did before we knew the Lord. It's true, isn't it? Today, we should be living for, for the Lord. We should be seeking God's will. We should be doing not what pleases us, but what pleases Him. We should not be guided by the desires of our flesh, but by the principles of the Word of God and His will for our lives. That's the basis of our choices. We don't make choices because it feels good, because I like this. We should be choosing things because it's right 
and because it honors the Lord and because it pleases him, because it lines up with the principles of God's word. And because my ultimate goal as a Christian is to make him happy one day to hear him say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. How am I ever going to hear those words, well done, if I don't do well? And so we live life in a new fashion. We leave behind the allurements of the world. Hey, you know, all the fun and entertainment of the world is designed to appeal to the flesh. And now that we walk in the spirit, we choose to leave that behind. It no longer appeals to us like it once did or shouldn't. We also leave behind the anxiety of the past. Paul said when he was talking about a lot of his anxious moments, troubling things, he said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Why do you do that, Paul? He said, so that I might finish my course with joy. You can't have joy while you're holding on to the past, to the hurts, to the pains, to the bad experiences. You can't have joy like that. As a matter of fact, Paul not only said, I'm letting go all that anxiety, all those times when I was stoned and beaten and shipwrecked and left for dead. He said, I'm leaving all that behind. But not only that, he said, you know, you know what else I'm leaving behind? He said, I'm leaving, I'm leaving the love of my own life behind. He said, I no longer count my life dear to myself. I'm going to challenge you this morning with this statement, and, I, and I'm challenged with it. But I'm going to tell you this. The hurts of life won't hurt you if you love God more than you love yourself. But when you love yourself a whole lot, you're going to find it hard to deal with the difficult things in life because you, you're going to want to say, why me, Lord? Why this? Why now? I don't understand. Why? Because we love what we have. We love who we are. We love our ways, our present circumstances. And when God disrupts any of that, we get upset. So in those moments, here's the real challenge. Who do you love most? Do you love self most or do you love the Savior most? Do you trust God beyond these circumstances you're in? Are you willing to let God disrupt all that so you can move forward? Paul said, Neither count I my life dear to myself. You know, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, I, I count everything but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him. Think about that. He said, I just want to be close to God. That, that became his number one desire. Not to be a millionaire, not, not to be successful, but to be close to God. Lastly, to go forward means to enter new territory. You know, the new territory might be better than your present territory. New territory might be better than the, than the, than the old, the past. But we'll never know if we don't ever get there. Some of the things God moves you into, they aren't so pleasant. 
like when the children of Israel found themselves boxed in by the sea. That wasn't a pleasant moment. But it was still good for them, and it led to the victory that was achieved over the Egyptians. God had to put them there to get them to the promised land without an enemy chasing behind them. It was for their good to be in that moment, even though that wasn't one of those good moments. We have to trust God. Paul said in Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark. I'm pressing toward the place God has for me, toward the territory he has for me. What does that mean? It means, it means we have to be willing to walk by faith. It means we have to be willing to trust God. I mentioned Abraham a moment ago. You know, Abraham trusted God beyond what he could see or understand. For example, God said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son, and I'm going to make from that son, I'm going to make multitudes of nations. And he thought, wow. He said, your, your seed is going to be like the sands of the sea. Well, Abraham believed what God said. But then later God came along and said, Abraham, I want you to take that son that I gave you. Remember, I promised him to you. Then I gave him to you. That son I gave you. He said, I want you to take him and sacrifice him on an altar. And Abraham thought, wait a minute. That don't, that don't match up with the promise God made back there. You know, he said, he said my son was going to have, you know, seed like the multitude of the sands of the sea. So Abraham got to thinking about that, trying to figure it out, you know, like we would. Let me figure out the will of God. He said, well, hey, if, if God made a promise to multiply the seed of this son, he said, you know, if God wants me to crucify him on an altar to, to use him as a sacrifice, then, then God must be about to raise him from the dead because he's got to live in, in order to, for God to fulfill his promise. You know, the book of Hebrews tells us that that's how Abraham made sense of this. And so in his mind, he's thinking, okay, God asked me to sacrifice him because he knows he's going to raise him from the dead. Now, you've got to understand, at this point in Abraham's life, no one had ever been raised from the dead. What was that tell us? That tells us he was bold in his faith to believe God. He so believed God's promise that he was willing to sacrifice his son because he knew God can't lie. And if God made this promise, he's going to keep it. So that would mean he has to raise him up if he lets him die. Well, actually, that's not how it happened at all. God already had a plan. And he knew that he really wasn't going to allow Abraham to sacrifice his son anyway because, you know, God's not really into that human sacrifice kind of thing. Not that the all the heathen nations were doing in that day. And so God stopped Abraham right before he killed his son. God said, Abraham. He didn't grab his arm. He just spoke to him and said, Abraham. And Abraham turned and saw a ram in the thicket and realized that God had provided a substitute for his son. And he offered the ram in its place. Why did God do all that? Because Abraham was the father of faith, and God used him to show us all how to live by faith. And the ram was a picture of Jesus, who would be our substitute one day. 
And just like Abraham trusted that substitute and sacrificed that substitute so his son could go free, you and I look back on that story of the Bible and we see that that was the will of God all along. God had already planned a substitute. And we have to put our trust in the substitute, Jesus Christ, who died for us, and stop trying to get to heaven based on what we can do and start trusting what he did. Isn't that good? This is how they got to the promised land, walking by faith, trusting the Lord. In verse 15 of Exodus 14, God spoke to the children of Israel in a difficult situation. He told Moses, he said, speaking to the children of Israel, that they go forward. How about you this morning? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go forward in your life? Hey, Beckwith Baptist Church, are you ready to go forward? Now it might mean God has to disrupt some things to get us where he wants us. But if we're following him, it'll be all right. You know, David said one time, he said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Well, I want you to know the rod and the staff, those, aren't, those are not instruments of comfort. Quite the opposite. Why did David take comfort? It, it was because of the hand that held those instruments. Ah, he said, I can trust you. Even with those tools of correction, I'm comforted knowing God is the one who's going to guide me and correct me. Right? We can take comfort this morning in God. Whatever he has for us, wherever he leads us, however he chooses to guide us, it'll be right. He knows us. He knows who we are. He knows our frame. He knows what we can handle. God will get us there if we just trust him and follow him. Amen? This morning, let's say yes to the Lord and be ready to take that next step. Let's bow our heads. Father, how we love you today. How we thank you for this encouraging message, this challenge from the word of God. Israel went through a difficult thing, Lord, being put in a tough situation. And they found themselves willing to follow you. Lord, we just ask today that you would help us also have that same willingness, that same desire to trust you as you lead us forward, lead us on. Help us, Lord, not to get stagnant, not to get stuck where we are, but willing to move forward into the blessings that you have for us for the future. Lord, we, we do. We, we may look with fear. We may look with trepidation. We, we may be a little, a little concerned, troubled. But Lord, we trust you. Even like the father that said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Lord, help us today to be willing to say the same, to be willing to trust you even beyond those things that look impossible. Because we know, Lord, you're all-powerful. You're able, and you can help us get to our destination.